What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and all the places you need your music to be. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in-store 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor fastest payouts they help out with automatic splits cover song clearance and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases i dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians bands studio artists DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home, and they also offer label services as well. They've got three different tiers to offer creators that start as low as $22.99 a year. That's just $1.92 per month, and even their top tier breaks down to only $7.50 per month. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper for you check out the link in the episode notes i also put it in my instagram bio in the link tree click that link and it'll give you 30 percent off your first year of service super stoked to have distro kids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their longtime support of this thing this episode of the podcast is also sponsored by drops drops are an organ-based edible company and one of my go-to's when i'm heading into the dispensary their consistency and price point keeps them in my regular rotation of gummies i love their 100 milligram canisters that have the little five milligram bites in there they make it easy to monitor dosage and not get unexpectedly blasted the chill ones are my favorite they're this banging watermelon flavor and one thing that i love about these edibles is that they taste great sometimes you get some edibles that pack a punch but taste horrible and drops i have to be careful with because they taste so good that i just want to eat them like a bag of sour patch kids with drops you can choose your edibles based on how you want to feel that's possible because drops are made with live rosin a solventless full spectrum cannabis concentrate as a full spectrum concentrate rosin contains the full array of psychoactive compounds in cannabis which work together to give each strain its unique effect all of their cannabis is flash frozen and processed into that live rosin. The flash freezing prevents plant material from decomposing and preserves terpenes that evaporate during the traditional drying and curing processes. They come in 10 different flavors and strains to choose from, including several CBD variations. You can find drops at your favorite local organ dispensary. Just tap into the link in the episode notes to find a supplier in your area. Big thanks to Drops for their support. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, 
clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Leave a comment on a social media post. Tell a friend about the podcast. Check out the monthly playlist that I've been dropping every first of the month. Those are available on Spotify and Apple. Links for those will be in the episode notes. Pretty spread out genre-wise and just a snapshot of what I'm listening to throughout the month. Things that are making it into my DJ sets and whatnot. So check those out. And this week on the podcast, we've got Chicago-based songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, producer, Namdi is on the show, who you also might know as the drummer from math rock band Monobody. Super stoked. I got the chance to talk with Namdi a couple months back while I was at the Tree Fort Music Festival in Boise. And this dude is just such an amazing artist, and I just really enjoyed the time. I got to spend hanging and chatting with him. Just an inspiring dude to be around. And we talk in this conversation about artists who appear to be unhinged in a way where they just really explore the creative space in a way that feels free and I think that really sums Namdi up in some ways and just one of those people who loves to create we recorded this conversation up in his hotel room that he was staying in for the festival and he was only going to be there a couple days but he had just like a full recording setup and he was filming a bunch of stuff just definitely one of those people who does not leave home without his creative tools at hand and I just find those to be the people that are truly inspiring to be around and I hadn't gotten to see his live show prior to this conversation but I got to see him perform the next day and it was a killer set and really seemed to encapsulate the full range of emotions that we touch on in this conversation as well definitely one of my favorite sets of the festival so I'm pumped to share this chat I really feel like we covered a lot in the amount of time that we had so it was rad to get to hang with this dude if you're a fan of Namdi and you've tuned in because of that thanks for being here if you dig this chat please go back check out some of the previous conversations covering all genres of music on this thing last week i had chicago-based producer electronic pop duo drama on the podcast so back-to-back weeks keeping it chicago and the week before that i had california-based duo Bergine on the podcast so both of those were great chats so tune into those and i'll put all the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with namdi if you dig what you hear on this episode this dude has so much music to go back and check out plenty to catch up on and we are going to kick off the episode with a track off namdi's most recent record which he just put out a deluxe edition of not too long ago the record is called please have a seat it's out on secretly canadian records You can find it on vinyl or wherever you stream music. This one is called I Don't Want to Be Famous. Let's do the damn thing. I don't really want to be famous. I just want a million blue faces. I just want a million new fans of plays. Then I want to ride that massive wave. Blowing all the money on diamonds. Mansions, paddocks, and private planes. Showing off flying the islands. Buying them. Run the red carpet and rise to fame. I don't really want to be popular. 
walk around the city, they stop and look. I don't really like to be ogled at. I just wanna hang with model staff. Superstar like Miley Cyrus, I've been on my dope shit. Super Califragilist to SPLadocious. Remember back at Edgewood, we was eating with the roaches. Don't think I be flying, they go back to coach. I don't really wanna be famous though. I just call my agent up. They said that my price went up. I said, nah, that's not enough. Know that you can see me always dropping freebies. They still call me greedy though. We got bills that's adding up. Trying to get my status up. I don't really wanna be famous. I just want a million blue faces. I just want a million new fans of plays. Then I wanna ride that massive wave. Blowing all the money on diamonds. Mansions, panics, and private planes. Ran through all my paychecks quick. Brand new car, I race that bitch. I don't really wanna be famous. I just wanna be on your playlist. Used to say that I was too weird and shit. Now they wanna take me serious. I might need a couple of Grammys now. I don't give a damn about awards and plaques. I just wanna make my family proud. I just wanna stack up all the bands and raps. Really All right, Nam, do you ready to jump into this thing? Oh yeah, always oh, ready. Excited to uh, have the opportunity to chat with you while you're out here at Tree Fort. Been uh, I've been getting my Nam education by going through the discography and uh, just pretty impressed with like the dynamics throughout all the records. It seems like everything is like as much R and B and hip hop in spirit as it is punk rock. And, uh, yeah, it just seems like you offer a lot, like through the different releases or even within a record, like your latest. Yeah. Uh, I like a lot of different music. So, yeah. Has that always been a a thing for you from the beginning? Has it always been like a pretty wide range of music that you've listened to? Um, yeah, ever since, yeah, I think my family just listens to a lot of different music. Like my parents listen to a lot of gospel. My dad was like super into the police and uh a lot of like a lot of funny things um he had range so i think i just grew up around a lot of different music yeah so do you seem to take an interest yourself in in developing your own collection of music from a, a pretty young age like what were your your musical beginnings as far as like falling in love as a, a listener or or as an instrumentalist uh i would say as a listener when i was growing up i would listen to I would be listening to like Radio Disney a lot. That was like my foray into <laughs> my own music that I like. But I'd be listening to Radio Disney and also like the hip hop station where I grew up. And they would play like a lot of like that was when 50 was popping. So I'd listen to a lot of that. Um, just like radio pop, you know, Destiny's Child. Yeah. All that type of shit. You feel like the the radio Disney stuff? made its way into your brain as far as like the stuff that I don't know, like some of the productions feel like pretty theatrical at times. Yeah. I really like Disney. I love Disney. I loved cartoons and Looney Tunes and all that. So I think there's always an element of like theatrical elements in my music too. Also just having like watching any old Looney Tunes cartoons and just like focusing on the music and how they line it up to all the actions. I feel like that's so such a beautiful thing. Because when you're listening to music, you get to usually picture whatever you want to picture. You know what I mean? And if you listen to that music, the things that you picture are probably in alignment with what the visuals yeah. are. So I think that's a really cool thing to think about when making music like what is the visual accompaniment to whatever you're making yeah so often like when you're creating something you can 
you can see something in your head yeah i usually if i'm writing a song i usually i'm thinking of the music video idea also they usually come hand in hand yeah i feel like even listening to your music i'm you know images come to mind when i'm just listening to the music if even if i'm not looking at like what you've created as a visual Mm -hmm. it feels like it inspires that within me like which is like something i really dig about the listening experience with your records that rules i love when music inspires things outside of music i feel like that's more my goal than like inspiring other musicians like there's too many musicians there's too many fucking bands (laughs) but like if your music can inspire someone maybe like a scientist you know they're working on something and they're just like trying to decompress and they put on your album to relax and then that helps them clear their head or helps them get into some sort of zone where they have an epiphany i feel like hearing stories like that always makes me a lot more excited than like music stuff for some reason (laughs) yeah no it's nice when other like forms of media like influence the other you know watch a movie and you're inspired to like make a record somehow Yeah, it's it's dope that art can do that. What are what are some uh, other things like outside of Looney Tunes and, and cartoons that have like kind of maybe stuck with you even now into adulthood that had a big impact on the way you wanted to make art? Yeah, I just like really like the idea of like the idea of not having any rules when doing something because I feel like growing up and like going to school and I grew up in church and stuff, it was like always like very strict rules and do this. And I was not really a good listener or like I didn't, couldn't really like focus if someone was like lecturing me, I was never good in those scenarios. So I think music allowed me to just have the freedom to just like fart out ideas and just like whatever is happening in my brain, good or bad, just like put it out and make it into something tangible. Yeah, I think a lot of the my influences came early on, definitely from like my siblings because my brother played bass and guitar. And usually, if you have like if you have an older brother, you you like look up to them because they like have all the cool stuff before you. So that was kind of my scenario. He like listened to a lot of cool bands. He was into Black Sabbath and like Nirvana, and I kind of like weaned into my own stuff from there. Uh, got really into some 41 that was like one of my favorite bands growing up when i started playing drums that was like my shit um (laughs) that band queens of the stone age also when i was started playing drums i would play a lot to their records um feel like you can you can even hear those those pop punk influences to this day in what you're doing yeah they're there they're there and i think i think my drumming and like wanting to get better at drums led me into like more freakier technical stuff because obviously like if you listen to pop punk there's only so much they do and i was like i grew up in church so i was really into like gospel drumming and stuff so i would watch this channel called gospel chops where they it was just people shredding and like going back and forth (laughs) but there's also videos of people like breaking down different fills and stuff so i feel like that was very pivotal in my musical upbringing and that led me to just look up all these different drummers and I would be looking up like top 100 drummers list <laughs> and I got in like prog rock and stuff because of that and from prog rock I got into like weirder experimental stuff and I think from there it was just like expansive just like anything I could get that was like different than 
what I was hearing on the radio, I would just like gravitate towards. Yeah. Does that kind of go back to the no rules thing as far as maybe gravitating towards these things that are a little left of center? I think you could call it weird, but maybe that's like a lazy term for it sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I definitely gravitate towards people that seem like kind of unhinged in their music where it's just like, (laughs) yeah, just they don't have rules. The only rules are like the limitations that they want to put on themselves. But I love bands where it's just like, all right, we're just going to go for it and like make whatever happens. Do you remember the first time you had, you heard like a record like that or one that comes to mind is, is having kind of that mind blowing impact. Like, Oh damn, you can make a record like this. I can think of three pivotal records that did that for me. Uh, the first one I think would be, Definitely Sgt. Pepper by the Beatles, because that was like one of the earliest ones I heard. And just from the cover, I think the art, I was obsessed with it. And the music was freaky, being like a mid, like a sixth grader or whenever I heard yeah. that. Uh, that did that. And then also hearing Mars Volta's Francis the Mute. That was the first Mars Volta record I heard. Um, that shit blew my mind. I remember being in my room. I got it from the library. I saw the cover in the library and I was like, Oh, this looks kind of cool. And I checked it out and I remember just laying in my room in the dark, like after the first song. And I was just like laid there the whole album. And I was just like, what the fuck (laughs) just happened? Um, so that's very important, even though that's not my favorite Mars Mars Volta record, but that's the one where I realized that you could do shit like that. And then also this band, called Terramelos. Yeah, they're considered like a mathy, like experimental rock punk group. And yeah, they were like no holes barred. They just kind of went for it. And they evolved so much, like every album they like evolved, but still had that like organic flair to it. Yeah. Which is cool. And I love those because they inspired me. Like at first these were bands I was trying to rip off, but I think those bands inspired me to not so to like want to be like them, but just to do whatever the fuck I want, which yeah. is really cool. For sure. Yeah. I, th- I think that like definitely comes across in your music that there is like no rules for what belongs on a, on a certain record. And you know, you can like make some emo like Matthew collection of tunes and then the next one can be a little more geared towards like hip-hop and r&b and everything in between it seems like yeah, i feel like the the connection is closer than people think you know i feel like all these things are not so far away where they don't belong together i just think you have to do it in a way that's like clear and concise and maybe it takes more time to like make that the pieces of the puzzle fit in that way if you're trying to be more expansive and broad in terms of like sonic sounds yeah do you feel like you have a cool lens on that being someone that's coming at it from a drummer's point of view and maybe can see that a little bit more what do you mean by that i don't know just like the connectivity between what you're saying but like between the the genres and whatnot yeah i think yeah definitely drumming helps like make those points of connection and definitely like has a very big impact on how I view writing like more melodic stuff, just being a drummer. Like I'm always thinking about 
the rhythmic patterns that can go with different things when I'm writing melodies for vocals and other instruments. So I think, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's like more than other people, but (laughs) it definitely plays a part. Yeah. I would assume it like really informs your, your vocal approach with things because you're so, I don't know, cognizant of the pocket and the rhythm of things. Yeah. From where it's coming from. Definitely. I've noticed recently just in life in general that I love symmetry. So I think even in like certain chaotic things that I'll write, I, I think that I sometimes don't allow myself to like move from a certain, what I think of as a certain symmetry. So I've been trying to be like more thoughtful about that and like kind of escaping those things too in my head. Yeah. What, is it, what do you feel like that looks like as far as being able to escape that and, and then I don't know. apply it? I don't, know if I've, <laughs> I don't know if I've done it. I just, I think I've been noticing patterns in my music that maybe other people don't recognize, even in like the weird freak out stuff. I made an album where I, I, it started as me like improvising drums and then I like wrote all the music around that. And the point of it was for me to like, try to notice my natural habits when playing drums and like the things that I would naturally gravitate towards. Um, and I think that really helped with this kind of discovery when I was doing that, I I noticed a few things, but it wasn't as there weren't like as many prevalent repetitions as I thought, but like now going back years, a couple years later and like listening to stuff like that, like there's, there's patterns in there. I think that's just human behavior, though, and uh, how we kind of adjust and learn as an artist. Like, I think they're always going to be there, but it's cool to realize those so you can try to do something different yeah. than your whatever your natural. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm making sense. You're making sense. Yeah. I think it's an interesting observation I've had recently. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also cool that you have, like, I don't know with the stuff just just under Namdi, you have like 10 years to kind of reflect on the projects that you've made i'm sure you have different feelings towards these things when you're removed from them opposed to like where you were at when you were creating them uh yeah i have lots of feelings especially being like when i started making music i wasn't like making it for the outside world really i put it on the internet but i was like making it for friends and like just doing a lot of goofy stuff that was fun you weren't making booty noir for the for the world (laughs) oh i was making that for the world but like you know i was wasn't thinking as i wasn't thinking as broad or as big so it's kind of funny like going back and listening to these things like i wish i could be that type of person that just like can go through their whole catalog and be like slaps that slaps that slaps but i just have so much stuff where i was just like uh <laughs> this is this is not meant for everybody but i think that's also cool for people to see the progression yeah i don't know it's cool for me to like kind of go through it all yeah. to see where things are at now like as far as one of the older tracks that i did years like that 2% Oh yeah, track is really cool. Long slaps, that's a good one. <laughs> and then that despondent EP, Heck yeah, is fucking cool because it's slaps. just like honestly, all the shit slaps. It's just to me, <laughs> even the stuff that's like bad. Like where I recorded on like a karaoke mic, plugged directly into a PC. <laughs> even that stuff, I'm like, it has such a charm to it. Like growing up, 
album to album and going back and realizing you could never make the music that you made at that point in time like you could try to but it just it would not be the same because you're like such a different person you have had so many different experiences it's so cool to like go back and be like i made this shit this is fucking crazy like i would never think to make this right now If you step up in my way, bitch might slap you in the face. I'm no fine again. I don't know why If you call me out my name, I might punch you. So were the drums the, the first instrument that you really jumped on and gravitated towards? I started piano. I took piano lessons for like a year and I did not like it that much. I, I liked it, but then I found out I could play drums. And once I got a drum set, that's all I cared about. I like mowed lawns for months to raise enough money to get this $200 drum kit. And once I got that, it was like nothing else existed for like <laughs> the next five years. Just coming home every day playing yeah. to, to records. Yeah. Parents did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> My dad would get home and like as soon as he got home, he'd just be like, ah! <laughs> and I would be like, okay, I guess that means stop playing. <laughs> And were you playing in, in bands in high school or anything? Or was it mostly like stuff you were doing in church or? Yeah, I started, my first band started in like last year of middle school and went through high school. And then like a little bit after that, uh, it was called the paramedics. At first it was just me and my, my friend Dylan, just drums and guitar. Um, I would play bass and record it like <laughs> on my computer. And then we would have an MP3 player that we would we would plug the MP3 player into a bass amp, and <laughs> it, would just, it was such a horrible setup because the bass part would count us off. It'd be like, boo, 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 and we would have to be on the whole time. Like if we got off, it was just such a shit show, which happened happened many times. But it was fun. We got a lot better as the years went on. <laughs> yeah. Did you seem to gravitate towards like the production side of things pretty quickly? I think it it just kind of happened that way. You know, I, w I was never like super interested in recording like early on, but it was just like, we have to make this happen. So I got like this old Fostex eight track recorder was my first thing I got. Yeah. And we kind of just figured out how to make stuff from there. And like it slowly evolved into, you know, laptops I had this program called Mixcraft, which is supposed to be like garage band for PCs. Dang, never heard of Mixcraft. Yeah, most people haven't heard of Mixcraft. <laughs> but that's what I recorded most of the Booty Noir album on was still on Mixcraft. Even the album after that was all on Mixcraft. I, I moved to Pro Tools recently on just the album before this last album is when I started using Pro Tools and stuff. So You start making beats and stuff just kind of throughout and learning different like 
ways to to produce music and always kind of picking up different instruments along the way yeah just anything that came my way anything that seemed interesting like yeah i got fruity loops probably like freshman year in high school and i just made shit on fruity loops for the next four five years yeah fruity loops and mixcraft (laughs) (laughs) dangerous combination <laughs> but most of that stuff you're just kind of doing just so you could facilitate your own ideas and yeah, get just, them just get, get them my, out just and to get my ideas out i wasn't really making stuff for other people or yeah. like with other people it was like just me my brain <laughs> just like trying to make whatever camp comes to mind at the yeah. time you know it's kind of nice when you can do that and you can like do it and maybe in this more unhinged way, like you were talking about earlier, just cause there's no one else. You I don't need anybody it. else in the room. I so you can it. get as wild as you want to get. I or- wish <laughs> my goal within the next few years is to, I don't know how this is going to happen. I think it only happens by actually doing it, but just like be more comfortable doing vocals with other people in the room. Like I hate it. I fucking hate doing vocals with other people around Uh, i don't know the first time i ever had to do it i covered myself in a blanket (laughs) and i just had the mic in the blanket yeah i don't know yeah you're right you can be more unhinged and i think if people saw my recording process they would think i'm insane like especially recording vocals i'll record the same like five seconds so many times and probably to other people they'll be like, it sounded the same as like the third time you did it. And now you're on take 40. But sometimes to me, I'm just like, no, yeah, no, man, no, like over and over and over. And I, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like dealing with someone there, even if they're not judging me, I'll <laughs> feel like there's judgment there. I don't know. So. I hear you. I, I mean, I'll, when I edit this, this podcast, I'm going to raise things by 0.2 DB, some shit that people can't even here but i'm like no i i swear it made a difference so they could hear clear it does make a difference and the, and the other day like i'm not i don't have like a lot of uh knowledge around recording like this is pretty much it i do my my editing and logic so it's like a very basic understanding but i remember a producer homie i met up with him the other day and i had my logic project open and i saw him like peeking in like oh using these compressors and this and i was just like don't look at my stuff. Don't, don't, look. <laughs> don't judge me. Don't judge me. Uh, so has that been like a gradual thing where you've like just had to kind of learn to be more comfortable with recording vocals in front of people or will you just try to do as I much of it by yourself? I haven't had to because nice. I have a studio in my house. You have so a it's studio like, right here. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had to get comfortable. Like <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's just a skill I need to have. I need to have like to do the things I want to do. Cause I want to do more collaborative stuff. I just got to jump into it and start doing more of it. But yeah, so far it's worked out not having to do that. Uh, I'm curious since you, you kind of, you know, have all these tools at your hands, like whether it's, you know, being able to play like live drum samples or, or just come up with drum beats or produce beats on a, you know, a machine or play different instruments and, understand all the production is it ever important to you to like put creative parameters on what you're doing for a project just to like force different creativity i think it's just fun to do i think if you're given like ultimate free reign sometimes most people will get overwhelmed with like the options 
Um, so that in that way, it's like very good to have different parameters. Also, yeah, I think it makes for cool art. My friend Connor, who plays in Monobody, he'll do stuff like that where he's like, "I want I'm gonna make an album that's just like bass, clarinet, oboe." and timpani yeah and he'll have these parameters and he'll make the dopest shit ever um just given these constraints you're you'll come up with something that you wouldn't otherwise come up with you know yeah how is the your experience playing in mono body you do you feel like shapes you individually as a musician or like the solo music that you you put out well they're all like real ass music nerds i'm not like that proficient with like music theory as the rest of the people in the band um so it's really cool it definitely like kicks my ass sometimes to like (laughs) catch up with what's going on but i love that band it's the only band i drum in now practice drums that's like something i've been kicking myself in the ass for i like need to get back trying to get better i'm trying to take lessons from like a gospel drummer like i will pay the money just not even for other people for like performance things but just for like my soul because it was such a pivotal point like it's so important to my upbringing and like music in general like drums were what i loved and i just never practice And I feel like it's like having a personal trainer. I feel like I can't motivate myself to do it anymore. (laughs) But if I'm paying someone else, like I'll be like, ah, I can't can't waste that money. So I think I need someone like someone that's incredible that I can just like, you know, that can mentor me and teach me some things. Is there an urge to to play drums during the live show at all? For me, like, no. I have no urge to play drums. Like you don't in my own music, the, the Phil Collins headset. Oh, absolutely style, not. You know? Luke, <laughs> the homie that we're touring with, who's playing drums with me now, Luke Titus. Um, he's also opening this tour. He sings and plays drums at the same time, and he's incredible. I'm not good at it. I've done it twice. I've done it three times in my life. Just not. I don't have the. I don't have the muscles like the the brain and coordination to do that as well as I would like to. And did you always feel like pretty comfortable with the the live performance end of things? Once you started doing the Namdi stuff, is that a space where you really enjoy yourself or is there uh, some nerves around like the vulnerability of that? I only get nervous when I feel underprepared. Like that's the only time I get nervous. Like. <laughs> If I'm, if I don't feel like we're ready or if like, if like shit was weird during a sound check, then I'll feel anxious. But if like, if we practice and rehearse and shit sounds good and the sound check goes well, like I, I don't get nervous. And were you always, uh, kind of writing lyrics in some form as a, when you were growing up? I was always making up like silly songs. Like I would be that kid that would be singing while he was eating all the time. Like, dude. 
food, <laughs> peas and rice. <laughs> so yeah, I think from that, I just kind of transform that <laughs> into like making recording silly songs. Um, I th- think like that I needed to like make something silly in order for me to realize, oh, I can actually make like have other emotions and like <laughs> record them too like and it'll be okay like you can share them and people won't be like this dude is fucking <laughs> lame he got feelings yeah. lame. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's like what i dig about the the music in general and and i think it's like really what like well represented on please have a seat is that you get like that full range of emotions with the record you know Sometimes it, it fits into the goofy lane and sometimes it's like, wow, he really is in his, you know, his emo feelings here. And yeah, I think it's important to do, to do all of those. For me, it is. I think Despondent was an album where I, where it was just like dark. And I, after I made that, I was like, I don't want to make an album like this again. <laughs> like, I feel like I needed to make it. I think it's important, but I, that's just not who I am at. You know, I feel like people are are all the emotions you know so i think but that's another thing but we're talking about like putting constraints and restrictions on an album that was one of those things where i was just like it's just gonna be about this (laughs) and i'm gonna sit in this horrible feeling while making it but yeah i think going forward hopefully (laughs) i don't make an album like that again with the lyrics though do you feel like having that outlet is pretty important for you just the way you process the world around you i do i feel when i write songs it sometimes feel like feels like a diary to me but even more so i've been noticing that songs i'll write and record will kind of foreshadow things in my future where i'm writing it because it feels present and and, in the moment and it feels like an important thing to write but i haven't like truly processed it and then once it's like fully written and i go back to it i'm like oh shit this is this is what i was feeling at this time so it kind of has been happening in that way where it's like this is done and then i go back and listen to it and i think about the time i was writing it and i can actually realize fully like why i was writing it yeah so that's kind of it's kind of surreal yeah, that anti-track off of uh, Please Have a Seat is one of my, my favorites off that one. Oh, yeah. Mine, too. I wish more people listened to that one. Plug that one in now. <laughs> <laughs> Mark the edit. <laughs> but that was that was one of those for me. That was definitely one where I went back and listened to it, and I was like, oh, this is like talking about like childhood traumas and <laughs> and things where I was just like, I was just rhyming. <laughs> uh, you know. Take much more. 
need to feel it firm Tangible is proof of something honest Never trust a soul, I know it's gotta hurt I'll commit myself before I call for help All I really heard are broken promises Is there a vulnerability to that part of it for you? Like, do you get nervous about just releasing the music ever when you're you're putting a record out like like that? Whether it's like, I would assume maybe it's more geared towards close friends and family that you are like exposing these things to if they listen. You know, the strangers maybe don't make as big of a difference. Nah, I don't. I don't care. I'm trying to get to a point where I have zero secrets like i've just been i've been testing with the limits because i feel like for so long there was so much shit that i didn't tell people like even like being depressed or like feeling a certain feeling i wouldn't tell people but people can tell like (laughs) i wasn't great i don't have a poker face so it's like (laughs) i thought i was like being secretive about shit and then people would be like oh yeah we knew that and I was just like holding on to this thing. So I'm like, what's the point of me holding on? Like people, I can't keep it a secret anyway. So yeah, it doesn't feel weird for me to be vulnerable. And I'm trying to get to a point where it's more so because I still feel like there's like layers and things to unpack. Speaking to like a full range of emotions and exploring like a lot of different genre dynamics within a complete project, like please have a seat. Is the sequencing really where the keys are to something like that as far as being able to like make it all work together oh absolutely sequencing oh like (laughs) i feel like the reason so many albums especially like big hip-hop albums where there's like 25 tracks and shit the reason why most of that shit sucks is because they don't care about sequencing it's just like trying to get a bunch of songs together to get as many streams as you can and like get that 0.007 cents per stream but like no one None of these people give a shit about sequencing, which is why albums suck. So it's super important and it helps with the flow of things. And that's why you can, that's why I think I can like have very different tracks because I'll write these different tracks and then I'll look at them and be like, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that these make sense together? And then I'll write the songs in between those songs. And then I'll look at those songs and be like, okay, what do I need to do to make sure these songs go together and then i'll write the song in between those songs so it's its own puzzle yeah it's its own puzzle you like work backwards you have a handful of songs or that's how i work i have a handful of songs and i'm like oh i'm noticing some sort of like lyrical theme or sonic theme and then i'm like okay i need to make these make sense because these mean something together and then i figure out everything else from that was uh making please have a seat did there was there any different approach that you hadn't really explored before as far as the the process of putting that record together or anything you feel like you unlocked for yourself along the way i think 
on this record, one thing I did differently was, or than my usual songwriting process, is I tried to make every song have a catchy vocal melody. Like I would record an idea and then sit on it and then come back to it like for a few days. And if it was still catchy to me, then I would use it. But if if I was just like, I feel like I could think of something better, then I would switch it up. So I think there's a moment in every song that I think is like really hummable and catchy to me. Yeah. Yeah. And because you're, it seems like you're working alone a lot when you're making your records. Do you have like a committee of people that you will like share these, these ideas with or is it keep it all like (laughs) inward until it's like done? I hate sharing demos. I hate like sending people stuff before it's done because no matter if you're like, Hey, this is just a demo. A lot of people will still be like, yeah, I think you should do this. Like, I don't want any, (laughs) I don't want anyone's opinion on my music. Like, I don't care. I don't care if it's bad. Like I want it to be what I intended it to be like. And I feel like when you send it to people and they like have responses, it always gets in my head and I'm just like, ah, so I'm just like, no, I want to get to a point where I'm like, this is it. And then send it to people. And then if they have advice, I can think about it from like the point, the point of view where I put everything I wanted to into it already. So whatever they say, I could be like, Oh, maybe probably not, but Oh, yeah. maybe, you know, like I can be more level headed rather than like, I don't know. I get angry when people give me advice. Like even if it's good sometimes, like, I don't <laughs> give a shit. Like just let me make bad or something shitty. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you, if you were going to make like a record with a producer, you'd rather like really have that, as the mindset going from the get go and it would have to be that way to want to hear that type of feedback. Yeah. If I make a music with another producer, I will be going into it as a collaboration, just like with Monobody, like it's a band's collaboration. I won't be thinking of it as it's, it's just me. That's the only way that would work. If it's like, I'm going into it and it's like, we're working on me, then I can't like deal with like the, maybe we should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Also, I really appreciate that you are making like full length records, but you're also putting some singles out along the way with some, with some stuff. Is that like, I feel like that approach is way different when you're just thinking about, oh, I'm going to, this is just for this track. It's not going to be a part of a collection of things. Yeah. Is there some different freedom there? Um, I haven't really done a lot of singles, so that's kind of a new world for me, but it's fun. I think it's harder for me to write a single than it is for me to write an album i feel like if i'm in like the writing zone then i'll have like a lot more to say (laughs) so yeah i think there i mean obviously on the record there were lots of singles and like standalone tracks but i really like the bigger like the bigger picture of things yeah and is there ever is is there a point for you Namdi, where you actually like turn things off for a couple of weeks and you're not producing much because like I know from sitting here you brought your you brought your studio with you you know you're ready yeah. to to work if the inspiration comes is that like pretty much a constant for you that you're always creating in some way there I I do occasionally take some time off I don't really like taking time off I think it's important for me to try to make, I try to make like three things a day, just three things that I don't 
hate that <laughs> that aren't complete ass <laughs> so once i do that if i'm like there's something good in there even if like the whole thing's not great yeah. to me i'm like this has a potential then i feel good so just three little small things it could be a vocal melody it could just be like a little guitar noodle it could be a full beat yeah but that's usually what i like to do every day i would assume that that produces some good results even when you're not maybe particularly feeling inspired just that discipline of like doing something yeah it just makes you it just makes you more efficient i think i think it's more a test in efficiency than it is in like getting better like sonically but sometimes those things go hand in hand and where do you feel like i don't know reflecting back to the beginning of starting the the namdi music and putting things out under that moniker like where do you feel like you see the most growth with within yourself as as an artist i would say that i am more confident in my ideas in general I've been getting into like trying to work with other people and produce with other people, which I think I was kind of nervous about. I think it felt like my production and my music was like just for me. It, mm. it, it kind of felt impossible that someone else would make sense yeah. with what I was doing just because I have that personal connection. I do everything by myself together, but kind of like getting out of that mindset and realizing that, it can be a more, it can work for other people as well. I think that was cool and like a, a huge growth thing for me, just like not being so engulfed and like in my own head about things that I make where I can realize that, oh, this is, this is not just good to me. You know what I mean? Like I, I knew other people would like it and other people are dra- gravitated towards a lot of the things I make, but I think there's a certain point where it made more sense in it. Like the tension kind of just eased of maybe things that I had been holding on to. Yeah. Well, I'd imagine too, like people at this point that are interested in working with you have, you know, there's, there's such a big body of work that they can reference to be like, yeah, I fuck with this. So like, I'm assuming people are coming in with that that mentality of like, oh, I really like this dude's music. So yeah. I also feel like I can figure anything out. Like time is the only thing, the only factor in most things, like in learning a skill or in doing something. Yeah. So I was just like, if someone's like, I want something that sounds like this, I'm like, I'll figure it out. I might not be as <laughs> quick as certain people with certain skill sets, but like we'll get there. <laughs> hell yeah right on man well i appreciate you giving me some of your time while you're out here thank you it's, this uh, is dope it's nice to yeah always nice to get to pick an artist's brain after you've gotten acquainted with their music and develop like a, a whole different attachment to it after you get to know where it comes from and whatnot right on and uh i know there's the the deluxe version of please have a seat is now available a few extra tracks on there that you put yeah. on there and uh i want to play the episode i was smart ass which is one of my favorite tracks (laughs) off the record uh anything you remember about what you were going through when you wrote this one or (laughs) like when it came together production wise this this song is a lot of people ask me who this song is about like who am i calling a smart ass (laughs) but it's mostly about myself and how i think i'm right 
in certain situations and just like kind of letting go of the idea of being right because sometimes being right will ruin <laughs> a friendship or relationship like it doesn't Ooh. matter if you're right it's yeah. just like all right what makes this situation better yeah <laughs> just know? discerning between the two yeah <laughs> is it important for me to let you know you're wrong yeah <laughs> i'm just like i have to let this person know they're wrong and i'm like do i have to i don't have to yeah. <laughs> like I feel that that restraint is difficult sometimes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, man. We end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program and it means absolutely nothing. It's just a goofy way to end the show. And it's the way that my, my grandfather says program. I love he that. always says program when he's talking about <laughs> the news and it's just something I've adopted over time. So if we get the Namdi, it's a program, we can properly end this thing. It's a program. You nailed it, everybody. That's Nandi. <laughs> I'll put all the links in the episode notes so uh, people can keep up with you. And uh, we're going to play it out with Smartass off that Please Have a Seat record. You can find it wherever you listen to music. And uh, that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side. Tree Fort, Chicago, <laughs> Portland, wherever you are listening. Yes, from. sir. Cool, man. Thanks, dude. Cool. Tell me that I'm wrong again I love to hear it Tell me there's a problem with The way I see things now You act like such a know-it-all I know it can't feel good I know your heart starts bumping want to give a big shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for their longtime support of this thing don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes or in my instagram bio 
30% off your first year membership with DistroKid, helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be. And big thanks to Drops for making some of my favorite edibles in the game, keeping me fine-tuned with their gummies, whether THC-heavy or CBD-heavy. Great for stress and solid sleep. Find them at your favorite local dispensary. Appreciate the support. More info on Drops in the episode notes as well. Stay up. Stay tuned.